Gorillas Andromeda. And uh, welcome to uh, the Overboard Show. We are joined today by an old friend of the show, Captain Ian Flockhart. Good morning, Captain Ian Flockhart. How are you today? Morning, fine, thank you. Where, where are you today? You're in Scotland? Yeah, no, I'm in Scotland, yeah. What's it like up there? Warm, cold, breezy? Uh, Battered <laughs> by storms that the UK yeah, have been, been through? It's been yeah. September, oh, sorry, October, August can be um, a bit funny here, and it's, it's not been a great August. Yeah. yeah, from the looks of it, there's been um, a lot of storms. Yeah, it's, 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 we've had a lot of high winds. Flooding the UK been, and Ireland yeah. over the past couple of well, days. A bit all over the place. Really? It's been nasty though, there. It has. We haven't felt it here in well, Mallorca, but... So, Ian, um, I wanted to follow up with you because you wrote an interesting article recently that I'd love to discuss with you. And it was about management in the super yacht world and who is best positioned from it. Yeah, I mean, I've um, I, the article I published on the, uh, the Super Yacht Investor website recently, um, it's something that's been, you know, it, it, management seems to be a very, very hot topic at the moment. Um, can, can I ask something? Can I ask one, something? In? Um, when did it all change? Because there was a time, I think about fifteen years ago or so, where uh, maybe fifteen years plus, where boats were typically managed by the captains, and then suddenly it seemed to be you know, the the thing was no, no more. Uh, we'll get the captains or the management companies to do it. Yeah, I, I don't have any firm statistics on it, but there this certainly seems to be um, a, a significant rise in the in the proportion of boats that seem to be going into management, and certainly a lot of boats at the a smaller end of the scale, which I just don't see as candidates for management at all. That seem to be uh, now you know in, involved in management, so the management companies seem to be. Um, I don't know whether they're just going out and promoting what they're doing um, a lot more heavily. But you certainly seems to be more more boats in management. Yeah. Or is it is it confidence that they see the captain as purely the in the captain's role of being in charge of the boat, but the administration they want to delegate to someone else? I I think that is part of it, um, and I. I speak from a bit of personal experience. I've worked on a couple of the boats where the captain has been considered as nothing more than the person that drives the boat and all other administrative tasks or a a very substantial amount of the administrative tasks um, are dealt with not necessarily by a, shall we say, a conventional proper management company, but by some other individual that sits between the captain and the owner. Right. So from your experience, um, what would what are the benefits of having a a the captain in charge of the management of the boat? Okay, can I do a couple couple of prerequisites just before to, to answer anything really related to the subject? Um, I think that first off, I'm not I'm not taking a dig at management companies here, but just analyzing um possibly the greater suitability um, of a properly competent captain to manage the boat with a more positive outcome. Now, that, that term there, properly competent, is, is absolutely critical 
to the whole discussion because there are a lot of people who are in the role of captain on boats that do not have a lot of the required skills to manage the boat properly. By that, I mean there's a, there's a lot, a lack of um, business skills very often, administrative skills. If you take, for example, someone who came into yachting from an early age and yachting is all that they've ever known, then they're not likely to be particularly well equipped, even by the time that they've reached the role of captain, with general business and administrative skills. So if so, we ask, so they'd be good at sailing. They'll be good at the mechanics of driving. They, they the could boat. be exceptionally good at all sorts of maritime things, mm. you know, on deck, whatever their department is. But they'll, they will have had very scant opportunity to have learned any to any great degree, to a, a degree that's necessary to have proper managerial skills. And a lot of captains find themselves in this role where they may be, you know, they may have excellent qualities in relation to the other things that are required to run a boat properly, but they can be very, very deficient in the the managerial side of it. So that I think is a a very significant problem. Um, Hence why, you know, I I cannot put enough emphasis on the term a properly competent captain. Mm. If you ask, what, what, what is a captain? The captain is the manager of the boat that's it yeah. yeah you can equate it to the to the ceo of a company um he's he's the person you know the shareholders own the company so the owner owns a, the boat but, very, but the captain is the the captain is the ceo with one very significant difference and that is that the captain's not required to turn a profit well, he's the ceo he's also the financial director he's the hum, head of human resources Exactly. He's, he's, he's above everyone else, apart from, shall we say, the shareholders in, in the company. Yeah. So he, he effectively is the manager of the boat. Mm. Now, anyone who's ever been to business school or even studied business in, you know, not such a deep way will know that, um, you know, there's a thing called the management triangle. And the flatter the management triangle becomes, the less efficient it becomes. You know, a very tall sort of isosceles triangle is your is your your best shape for a management triangle. And the more layers of management that you put into the structure, the less efficient the entire thing becomes. Okay. I mean that's you know that's that's, that's just a, a fundamental fact of business. The more layers that you put in, you know, the less streamlined the whole operation becomes and there's a lot more opportunity for things to go wrong the more layers of management you you have in. So as I see it, if you you know if we use the business analogy, the owners, the shareholders, but the captain is the manager of the entire operation. And when you bring in management, you simply add another layer to that triangle which makes it assuming you have a competent captain in the first place, makes it less efficient. So going back to the business side, um, uh, how, does, how does a well-qualified captain have that experience to run the business administration of it? I think it, it depends. Um, the, 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 the simplest way is for them to have come from something else before they got into yachting. 
you know, where they've come from an environment where they've 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 had to have business administrative skills. Um, otherwise, they must take the the tr- the trouble to go out and develop these skills on their own. Because obviously, I mean, we've we've touched on this before. You know, that obviously this is a it's an it's a critically important part of the the job. But nowhere, anywhere down the line, does anybody is anyone required to learn these skills in terms of what you need to get your, you know, your master's uh, certificate of competence, because it's, you know, it's obviously completely out with the the remit of the MCA or any other competent authority that issues certificates of competence. But it is a critically, critically important skill, and you only have to look at some of the the things that go so badly wrong on yachts to understand that the lack of management skills is is very often the root of the problem and there isn't a way that uh, a captain will necessarily learn this on the way up well you can you can learn it by being on the bridge and watching your other captains do it but there's no course there's no stcw there's no uh, maritime course of here's how you actually manage a boat there's no management skill training and there's no I think human resource training either. You know, you, you learn no, it on the, the job. Those who are lucky that have um, very good, you know, captains or even first officers that that pay a lot of attention to their crew and you know to help them, mentor them through their their careers will help. But there's an awful lot of captains find that there's an awful lot of shall we say crew find themselves as captains on boats when they even still have extremely limited. Um, boat handling maneuvering skills yes. because a lot of captains will not relinquish these tasks to you know to to crew below them mm. so I think it can be very very difficult unless you've got um, a, a captain who is very focused on ensuring that the the crew that are coming up below them are um, you know are educated in all aspects of the job, not those that just strictly relate to the to the maritime side of it. And of course, you you got the other angle as well. Um, you know, if you're learning to drive uh, from a person who's a really crap driver, you're going to be you know learning all those bad habits. If you're learning yeah, you don't, from, you, you a, don't just know that what you're being told is correct. Exactly. So you <laughs> yeah. you know you got a captain who's a really bad manager of the boat. He may not yep. bang the boat, he may not crash it into piers and, and, and whatever, but uh, he may be a really bad manager. If, if you're on that boat for four or five years and you're coming up and learning off that person, uh, you're going to inherit those, that's that level yeah, of skill. You, 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 you will not necessarily always be, um, you know, be learning the, the, correct, the correct skills along the way. But, so I think it's um, you know, anyone who, is, who has found themselves in a captain's role that has come from a different walk of life is possibly going to be better positioned, um, you know, assuming that walk of life has has involved a, a, some kind of solid business and administrative background. And I think the you know the larger the boats become, the more and more critical um, being very competent in the, in this aspect of the job becomes much more important. Well, well, just where's the actual win here? Because. I've been on a, enough bridges and I've spent enough time on boats to notice that um, you know I've been on boats where there is no management. The the captain it's down to the captain, and you know he's he's sorting out the the ordering. He's he's going through the accounts. He's he's you know he's managing the boat, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, 
And I've been on boats that are, are under management. And there's no seemingly discernible difference. The captain still has to prepare all the accounts, uh, perhaps in, in a structured way to give to the management company. In fact, in, in most of the occasions that I've seen, there seems to be an, a, an additional layer of work for the captain exactly. in dealing with the management company. And in some cases, and I remember one captain saying it to me um, in, in very floral language about the amount of beep, 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 beep emails that he was getting on a daily yep. basis. Um, he said it's, it's, he just couldn't cope with the, the volume of emails. On some days, he'd be getting 80 emails from different people in the management company who were micromanaging the boat and, and causing yep. a bigger headache. Who, who actually wins from this relationship? I don't think anybody wins from that at all. I Besides mean, the, 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 man the management company, company might might win because they get a monthly fee for, um, you know, for what they're doing. Yeah. But I think if you if you look at if you look at the actual efficiency of it, then it it generally becomes considerably more inefficient. Mm. What what happens very often, um, you know, through some level, my own experience in talking to a lot of people is that the the, the management companies become the usurpers. And they actually end up in a position above the person that is actually taking the responsibility for running the ship. Yeah. Now, I think that is fundamentally wrong. If you're going to have management, they should be working in complete collaboration with the captain. And if anything, the captain should be calling the shots, you know, and the management company should be assisting them with the, you know, with the day-to-day -day duties that the management companies are are given responsibility for. They should be there to assist the person that is at the sharp end of the operation, and that is the captain. And so frequently you hear that the, that the management companies just, they effectively usurp the role. You know, the management company becomes, as, as I said at the start of the conversation there, the extra layer between the captain and the owner. And I think that's extremely counterproductive. Unless mm. presumably the counter argument is if you have a very efficient management company, effectively they should be making the captain's life easier because they're taking away that you workload of an administration. How do you define efficient, though? Well, that that's my point. Uh, presumably there must be efficient management companies out there that can make it easier that that's dream the whole process so that that is one last job that the captain needs to do on board. If, if I mean, if everything is organized in, in such a way that that's how it works. Um, another, an, another one of the sort of the caveats that I put at the beginning of the article that I wrote, uh, rather, sorry, the, the, the two more caveats were that first of all, the, the, the whole thing operates on the premise that there is a reasonable level of cooperation between the vessel and whoever it is that the captain has either the, the, the relationship with the owner directly or whatever third party that there is in between, whether that be the, the, the family office, etc. There has to be a reasonable level of cooperation between the two. There has to be a flow of information. There has to be a flow of money. And the other the other thing that I pointed out at the at the the start of the article that I wrote was that I was aiming this very much certainly at boats 
up to about probably the 60 meter mark you know certainly the larger vessels get then yes there is more not necessarily a great deal of complexity to it because i mean for example you know over 500 tons you're into ism anyway um so it doesn't necessarily become more complex but certainly you're going to have more crew on board to deal with so mm. that that in itself can be you know can can be quite time consuming so it's i think it's just important to illustrate that i was aiming very much at boats up to about that size um you know clearly the larger yachts get the closer they become to to ships and there is more involved in doing it so i just want to you know make that differentiation so i'm not i'm, I'm not talking 100 meter boats yeah, here. No, no, that makes um, sense that makes sense but yeah. i i think it's if you have a very competent captain that that you know that has either developed all these skills throughout their career or that has come from you know a completely different sector whereby they've had these skills to a very high level in the first instance then they really with some cooperation from the owner's side they should not have any difficulty in successfully managing the boat themselves well can i bring up the other thing you mentioned which i have read many times but in some ways the biggest bit of management i mean there's obviously the administration and the business side the biggest bit of management is is the people management on board yep and owners from the owners to the captains to the management company, this management of your crew on board is one of the most vital roles in the whole of the management of having um, sustainable crew that stay on board, to have them happy, to have them working well. Uh, in some ways on the argument, the person who is there face meeting them face to face, I would see it's a strong argument that they're in the best position to manage absolutely this group i mean of this, this is one of the this is one of the you know the best examples of it um the the the, the captain his his heads of department on board are going to have a much much better idea of who they need to be working with them to make the team work at its best rather than someone who's sat in an office you know possibly two three thousand miles away when um you know when there's a there's a you know, a vacancy coming up on the boat for whatever reason. Um, I think it's, I, I've been in situations where I've, I've had crew forced upon me by owners and it has been absolutely disastrous. You know, they have, they have forced crew on the vessel for whatever reason um, or one situation I was in where there was a crew member who was already on the boat um, and this particular person was just so disruptive to the entire operation, but the owner would not get rid of him. Um, and it was, it, it was disastrous. And, you know, numerous crew left as a direct result of it. You know, the guy brought nothing to the, to the agenda whatsoever other than trouble, but we, we just, we weren't allowed to, you know, to move him on. Can I ask, uh, cause this is something I'm, uh, I'm sketchy on. Uh, as a captain, if you want, if you see this like this situation, where you've got a crew member that um, you you want to remove from the boat for whatever reason, do you have to go back normally to the owner to say I want to get rid of this guy and here's my reasons, or as captain, can you just make that decision and you don't need to tell the owner about it? Or or it as the management company, if there is a management company, are they in charge of that? It, it depends. Okay, there's there's a number of answers there. If if you're talking di directly with an owner, it can depend 
tremendously with the owner. Some owners will want to know what's happening. Others just don't care. Um, you know, they'll trust the captain. Okay, you've got someone who's not working out. So for whatever reason, they need to be replaced. Um, it, it goes to the other sort of end whereby you can, you know, the, the, the owner might want to know in all cases of, of um, you know, replacement of a crew. They might want to know. They won't necessarily interfere in it, but they want to know what's going on. Um, but, it, you know, it might be something as simple as an email. Look, you know, X is being continuing to be troublesome. I think we need to replace them. Okay, fine. No problem. Go ahead. Can, can uh, I, could can, be as simple as that. Can I ask, does it fall into like a category as in uh, owners that tend to be businessmen tend to leave it to the captain's discretion versus owners that aren't necessarily businessmen um, want to micromanage or is it just it depends on the owner? I, I think it just depends entirely on the, 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 personality. You know, the personality, the nature of the owner. I don't, yeah. I don't think you can categorize it anyway. It's a very, very individual thing. I mean, some yeah. of them just don't care at all. They just, want, they just want to have a nice time when they come and if there's different faces, it doesn't bother them. Okay. You know, they can be quite ambivalent about it as long as, you know, as an, and they may even be very happy if you've, you know, if you've removed a kind of a difficult element from the crew and replaced yeah. them with someone who fits in better. So I think it's it, it depends entirely yeah. on the individuals in terms of the, the, the answer to the question with management companies. Um, again, it's it's the captain and crew that have to, you know, work and live with every other person that's on board. And I honestly feel that, it, you know, again, the caveat that people on board are competent, that they are the ones that are best going to make the decisions as to, um, you know, as to who, who they think is going to fit into their team and live in close proximity with them. It's so a big thing. And I think it's for argument's sake, um, for the crew that might in, in reverse roles, the crew that might be finding their captain different or difficult would there be a benefit then in having a management company? Because if you are having a problem with your captain, then you could have the recourse to be able to go to the management company and talk to them. Or actually, it doesn't make any difference. If you're having a problem with your captain, you need to go and talk to your captain and sort it out directly that's, with them. That's any really which way. quite an interesting point because one of, the, one of the things that I've heard from a lot of people is that... Um, the management companies are so frequently more concerned about what fits in with their agenda rather than necessarily looking after the best interests of their client. So management companies seem to be very happy to employ captains that will that will tow their party line yeah. and, you know, keep things from getting too upset because they don't want to be having issues with their their clients, even if that is not necessarily what is in the best interests of the client. This is something I've heard a lot about. Uh, the client actually, being the owner yeah. or the no, client the owner, yeah, the being client, the, the, the crew that they the put on board? Yeah. You know, okay. No, the client, the client being the owner, whereby, you know, crew are unhappy about X, Y, and Z that the captain are doing, mm. but the captain's well in with the management companies and I was actually on a boat. there lies a problem in itself. I was on a boat in La Ciota doing a, a refit and uh, they were having this problem with the captain and it got to a point where... Um, one of the days the, the, the crew was sitting on a tender just uh, just off the boat having um, a, a crew conference. And I, I somehow got involved in it. And I said, look, guys, if, if you're having problems with the captain and uh, the management company is not listening to you, yeah. find the owner's number. Give him a call. If it's at this point where you're all saying 
this captain is is a huge negative on the team, on the boat, on everything, even the refit. And the refit people have even said the same thing because I'd been talking with them and he was causing big problems. I said, pick up the phone. At worst, the owner will will go get off the boat and at best he'll listen to you and, and take an action. And they did that. The, the engineer had the number for the uh, owner, got in contact with them, told them what was going on. And uh, two days later, they had a new captain on board. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a story I've heard very, very often that, um, you know, the, 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 there's things going on that the crew are very justifiably concerned about. Yeah. Um, but the boat's under management and they, they they find it very difficult to deal with. And it seems that, you know, nobody seems to have the balls to, to contact the management company above the above the captain's head. Not that I've ever heard of anyway. I'm sure it's happened. But, you know, everyone just seems so terrified to to go above their head. And I mean, if you look at I'll, I'll say, you know, through ISM. Now, obviously, ISM doesn't apply to all vessels. But so that's 5,000 above? The 500. 500 the the sorry, principles above. that are laid down by the IMO and also in any, uh, any organization where there's a proper culture for safety is that it doesn't matter who's got the gripe. You know, you could be the lowliest person on board. You know, you are free. You have the right and the responsibility to escalate issues, even if it's the person at the top of the chain that the problem lies with. And this this is one of the whole reasons why, you know, the the, the it, when I, ISM came in, that there has to be reporting from every level, because very often, you know, the, the, the problems can be at the top of the tree and there has to be a route for crew to get their, you know, get their issues out there. And okay if it's if it's anyone below the captain then normally you know you would go to the captain or head of department depending on how how far down the pecking order you are but there has to be a way to report at a higher level um and that is with a management company precisely what should happen people should be able to go to the management company but there seems to be a very fatalistic view um, from a lot of people I've spoken to, that when there are problems with a captain on board, nobody seems to want to do anything about it. No, yeah, because they're afraid that they'll get blackballed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and there is there is that culture of fear in the industry. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, people with mental health issues afraid to say anything and take some time off in case they get blackballed. Yeah, um, it's um, even with us trying to interview a crew. Quite often that they'll be afraid to, in case they say something, and some future captain may recognise. Yeah, no, voice. absolutely, and I mean, and the, you know, the management companies are, you know, seem to be so powerful now that, um, you know, most people are very scared to speak out against them. And as I said at the start of this, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be specifically critical of management companies here. I'm not trying to focus rather more on the suitability of captains to do the job rather than, you know, in, on a whole scale basis being critical of management companies. I'm sure there are management companies out there that do a very good job. But I'm just trying to say that, you know, of boats of a certain size, I firmly believe that a, a highly competent captain is going to do a much better job of running the ship in a way that is going to bring, bring greater benefit to the owner at the end of the day. And, and obviously save a lot of money. Potentially, yeah. Well, I'll, t I'll tell you, uh, this is, uh, I mean, th this is 
this is almost beyond belief, this story. Um, I was relaying it to a captain just the other day, which is why it's fresh in my mind. I worked on a boat a number of years ago that was managed by one of the biggest proper yacht management companies out there. And it wasn't till about my second month on board when I I had the um, the phone bill emailed down to me. Now, this is, this is back in the day where... Um, you know, roaming charges across the world were frightfully expensive. Um, and I got the, you know, I got, I got two months phone bills sent down at once. And the phone bills I discovered after some research going back further months were averaging between 32 and 36,000 euros a month. Now, th- this was horrific, absolutely horrific. So I started analyzing the phone bills. The boat was extremely busy. We hardly got a second to do anything. So when I got time, I analyzed the phone bills. And I realized that the reason that the phone bills were so high were literally because of the phone bill. The people in the management office would get the phone bill in from the local phone company because the SIM cards were from where the uh, the country where the the, uh, the management company was, and we were in a you know a thousand miles away, so we had big roaming charges. They were they scanned each page of the phone bill at six hundred dots per inch and saved them as TIFF files. So every single page of the phone bill was about twenty four twenty five megabytes. Now we were paying about twelve euros per megabyte. Oh, so okay. simply sending you the phone so, bill was costing sending a bomb. You the phone bill, right? <laughs> so there was lots of just local calls on, you know, just, just mm. things, the, the calls that weren't weren't massively expensive. So the actual phone bills were about two to three thousand euros per month, which was much more normal. So they were sending down reams of pages. Yeah. So I took five minutes to write them a little procedure to tell them how to, re- to how to scan a document and reduce the size of it so that you can still read me. It's still perfectly legible. And we got it down to a few kilobytes. So five minutes of my time saved that particular boss 30 plus thousand euros a month. And the worrying thing about that was the management company were quite happy sending these bills out to the boss who was paying them. Because he didn't know better, presumably. Because he didn't know any better. Now, who? What other boats were they doing that on? All of who them. Who else was get? Who else was getting horrific phone bills? Everybody. Yep. So a little bit of my time in analysing these bills and five minutes to write a quick procedure. And also knowing flagging when something just doesn't look right. Yep. You know, that that also comes from experience. Yeah. Um, you know. And you know, this this was a major yacht management company. The and they were, they were very that. possibly doing that with every boat because the, the, the particular person that was doing it was one of the, the senior financial people in the company. Well, so that, potentially that was going out to every boat that they managed from that office. Yeah, that, well, hopefully tiff, they learned their lesson on that one then, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, nobody uses TIFFs other than financial people uh, and legal. That's the only ones that use a TIFF file that I, I know of anyway. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just one example of of how being a little bit out of touch and perhaps not quite savvy enough, um, you know, can lead to a, a you know, significant costs. Mm-hmm. Hmm. the irony of it that the, most of your phone bill is taken up. Yeah, it was, fact- I mean, it was literally the phone bill was because of the phone bill. 
Um, you know, and as I say, this is back in the days and in the particular country we were in, we were paying about 12, 12, 50, 13 euros per megabyte. And this this is what was, you know, what was what was causing the, you know, this horrific phone bill. Jeez. And then after that, we were down to two and a half, three thousand euros a month. Wow. Well, that was a good save. <laughs> uh, um, the benefits of management, then, if you're a smaller boat. Um, where do you see the benefits on a smaller boat absolutely zero larger boats yes but on smaller boats I think if um, you know I just just two weeks ago I was I was involved with a, um, a boat up here and I just left it and as soon as I'd left um, it's, it's only a 34 meter boat uh, the owners just put the boat into management and it makes absolutely zero sense to me whatsoever it just doesn't make any sense. I, I, I don't see any benefit from it because I spoke to I spoke to the the, the new captain and even um, basically it seems that all they're going to do is is crew. You know there'll be no financial management. The boat's about to go into a year a year long refit, which the owner is personally going to sit and manage himself. You know on site. Uh, I just don't understand it. I haven't got a clue. Why oh, so the off, owner's going to manage the refit, enough, but he's done. <laughs> handed over the rest of the yeah, management he's paying i don't know what but you know it'll be a few thousand euros a month probably yeah to um you know to to manage this this vessel and it's i mean it's it's 34 meters i just cannot for the life of me see why management is required at that level of a boat um i think one of the one of the the possible issues and i think you you touched on this earlier on is just significant trust issues that a lot of owners will not trust the captain, they'll trust the management company. My answer to that is find a captain you trust. If you can't trust your captain to manage the boat, why is he there in the first instance? Why do you trust him with your life and that you know the lives of your loved ones? I mean, you know, I think I think trust issues are major, but I don't see why um, you know, a management company such as the one I just mentioned that is gonna make such a, you know, a financial error as that you know, that becomes a liability to you, why should they be any more trustworthy than, you know, someone who may genuinely have your best interests at heart and be a very competent captain? But where, where, where does the pitch come in? Because, I mean, if you're at 34 meters, you're, you're really just moving into the super yacht world. Uh, you've either had a smaller boat before, a small little family boat, or you've decided to invest into it and you're starting off at that point. Um, where, where does the management company get to do their pitch? Is it, you know, because if I want to buy a boat, I go to, a, I presume, a broker's. But they're often tied in. Or do I go to the shipyard and say, okay, I want to get a boat? There's a, I mean, there's got to be some point where the, um, the owner is convinced by somebody that, ah, I need a management company to manage my 34 meter. Or is it because everyone else is doing it? Or it's because his friends are doing it, and they go, "Oh, you should use but this management company." Presumably, the people that have the money to afford to buy large yachts, you know, they they must be reasonably sharp in some way. Yeah, a lot of them have made their own money. Yeah. Um, it never ceases to amaze me that either a lot of these owners do not see that there is potentially. A large conflict of interest between a management company that's part of a brokerage house or they choose to ignore it 
because I think there's, you know, there's, there's, there's no secret that there is potentially a very large conflict of interest there. There are management companies that are completely independent. Now, if I ever owned a boat and I required, you know, I felt like I required management, I would certainly be going to one of the truly independent management companies that are not part of a big brokerage house because I think you're going to get a more a more transparent deal with them. You know, their only agenda can be to absolutely look after your best interests as a client that has hired them to manage their boat. Whereby if you are involved with a management company that is also part of a big brokerage house, there's a lot of room there to maneuver into a completely different agenda from the perspective of the, the way the boat is managed and the management company. There's your conflict of interest. Mm. So there are companies out there, um, not very many, but there are companies out there who only do management. They do not do brokerage. And that's where I would go if I if I, you know, had a yacht and decided that it, I, I felt that it needed management because it's just, I think, you know, that independence is going to bring with it more transparency and less, you know, less opportunity to go off at a tangent. Personal um, question. Personal question. If you had the money, would you actually buy a yacht? Depends how much money I've had. <laughs> <laughs> this no is the million dollar question. <laughs> or actually I've $10 million. Dollar. <laughs> I, I, would, I would have to have so much money that it was the running the boat was considered nothing more than pocket change to me. Oh, but yeah. Personally, I would charter. I, I don't think I'd want the headache of owning one. There is. There is look, I, I've owned, owned two yachts of my own, and there is something very nice. You know, there's a yes. lot of pride in owning your yeah, own yeah. boat, especially when you've put your own stamp on it, as I did with both of mine. But I think it, you know, if you, if you need to employ someone to keep an eye on what it's costing, then I wouldn't do it. I think mm -hmm. you have to have, for me personally, and I, I say this as someone who has owned boats, albeit at a much smaller level, but the the minute you start worrying about what it's costing you, you can't the, the, enjoy, the enjoyment just goes out the window. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's not that you can't afford it. It's just that you know, you may still be able to afford it, but it it, it, it dilutes the enjoyment to you know to such a degree that it's um, you know, it's just not worth doing anymore. Yeah. That, that's been my personal no, experience. I, um, I, I would side with that. Uh, we're, we're kind of closing in on time, and I know there's another topic that we wanted to bring up, which yep. was um, the northerly routes. We've got... Uh, yes. Thanks to uh, the climate change that we've, we've, we've managed to uh, bring to the planet, we're running out of ice, which is opening up new routes. In fact, it's creating a whole new uh, um, continent that we can now walk on without... Fear of slipping in the <laughs> snow. <laughs> um, not, not, not a good thing, I'm sure. Not, not a great thing, um, and uh, especially if you're a polar bear or some indigenous yeah. uh, creature. But um, with the the, the northerly routes uh, opening up, it's um, it's created a a new part of the industry, a new new zone where we're seeing uh, a lot more northerly passages. Um, yeah, I think, um, I mean, even, I, I think even put, put climate change aside, um, there is, there is definitely been, or there is, not has been, there is currently a trend for um, more boats to get, I, I hate to use the term off the beaten track, because, you know, Scotland's not exactly off the beaten track, but we're enjoying more large yachts here. Only now. a Scottish person uh, would say that. 
um, so you know i mean ireland scotland Faroe, um norway you know right up to svalbard iceland greenland they are becoming more popular cruising destinations and i think it's um, as long as it's all managed properly i think it's um it, it's nice to see that that people are you know eventually kind of getting you know the last few years we've seen not only an explosion in in the uh, order books for explorers but we've yep. also seen um smaller explorers you know the yep. 30, 30 40 meter explorers where it used to be 60 plus was your explorer boat. yeah i don't you know a yeah. boat doesn't necessarily have to be big to be um to be capable and to self-sufficient yeah. in fact um, the smaller ones are, are more advantageous because you can get into those little fjords and Go, you go can, in closer than the bigger ones. Yes, I mean, so you can sometimes, and also mm. sometimes it's a bit easier to find shelter if you're, you're smaller than larger. Um, look, it, it's it, it's a bit easier to be self-sufficient on a larger vessel because you simply have more space, mm. you know, whether that be for fuel or, you know, dirty oil or food, whatever, um, you know, extra, you know, supernumerary, you know, crew on board, um, you know, a nice pilot, whatever. Um, there's a, actually, there's a, there's a boat just down the road from me at the moment, and it's only 42 meters. Um, and it has a fully certified heli deck on it and it travels with a heli 42 meters, 42 point something. Um, she's in Scotland right now. Um, she's probably not in the Marina anymore, but she was there. I was away doing a course. She was there a few days ago Hmm. and she has a, you know, a helicopter permanently on, no, on the, on the stern. You know, it means wow. it must be a fully certified heli deck, um, and that's that's you know um, she's come up here obviously to you know do something a little bit more interesting. So there's yeah there's a there's a definite trend, and I've written a couple of articles about it um, recently. Um, again, I wrote one for the the super yacht investor, and I was also commissioned to write an article um, for um, um, a company down in down in Guernsey. Uh, just you know highlighting that there's you know there is so much more out there. And look, it's it, it's it's never going to appeal to the vast majority of of large yacht owners because so many of them, you know, they just want to chase the sun, mm-hmm. um, and that you know fairly much means hanging around the you know the med in the winter, going to, sorry the summer, going to the Caribbean or you know the Far East in the winter, and those that want to you know get a bit more adventurous, uh, the Pacific, whatever. But there's you know there's some amazing stuff to see um, in you know, in the kind of latitudes of above 55 degrees and conversely, the southern latitudes as well. Mm-hmm. But it takes it takes a lot of planning. You know, you need to have a you need to plan things very well. You also need to have a, a very well found boat to do this because, you know, you are going to encounter uh, things that you're not likely to encounter elsewhere. And you need yep. to be you need to be up for it. You know, the vessel needs to be up for it. The crew as in you won't be because you're not in the med, which is dotted around with marinas and associated services. If you're planning to head up towards Ireland, Scotland, Scandinavia, you won't have access to the same services and resources you, you, you want not, not to the same level. I mean, yes, you can, you know, if something breaks, you can get it fixed. It just might not happen as quickly, um, you know, because because there aren't a lot of big yachts up here, then, you know, they, they just don't have the, the service infrastructure to um, to deal with. You know, there's a lot of commercial shipping up here. So, you know, you, yes, you can get someone to come and fix your generator or, you know, install a new magnetron in your radar. But um, all I'm saying is best you be, 
you know, make sure your boat's ship shape before you, you know, before you head off and that you, you know, you're carrying a sensible level of, of spares because things are just a little bit more difficult and they take a little bit more time. And unlike, shall we say, the south of France, if there's a commercial boat up here or, a, you know, a, a large fishing vessel or a ferry that needs its magnetron replaced at the same time as you, chances are they will get theirs done before you. Because the fact that you're white and shiny and have lots of money isn't necessarily going to cut it up here, you know, because the service providers here kind of know what side their bread's buttered on. Yeah. You know, all of their bread and butter comes from from the local sector. Um, so, you, you know, you can't necessarily expect to just snap your fingers, wave some money around and expect it to be done uh, instantly. You know, it's not to say that you won't get that, but you just may find that the, you know, the, the, the prioritized the is, is prioritized. Yeah. The other consideration I was wondering was particularly looking if you're going up towards Norway, because they have brought in um, a lot of clearer um, outlines of how they want to get to zero footprint, zero carbon footprint by yep. 2025, I believe is, is the dateline on it. So I'm presuming from a yacht point of view as well, you a bit like doing your MOT on your car, you want to double check that your emissions and things like that would be in yeah, check. Yeah, like I say, I mean, you know, it's, it, it, going up to these places isn't necessarily just a case of your owner saying you want to go. You need to research it thoroughly. You need to plan it thoroughly. And you need to make, that you make sure that your vessel is in every way capable of um you know of, of getting a little bit further off the beaten track and yes in the world that we live in now things like emissions and you know pollution marpol is becoming increasingly important and increasingly policed so you need to you know before you go anywhere make sure you check the local regs and that you can in some way be you know compliant to to what is required and I'm sure a lot of this is being reflected in, um, you know, you, you mentioned at the start of this topic that, you know, the, there's definitely, a, you know, a growing trend of a lot more, you know, explorer type yachts being built. And anyone that's um, designing one of these should absolutely be thinking about um, all these considerations. Because I I, actually, you know, if you look at anywhere off the beaten track, I, I saw another article talking about, you know, top three destinations which are off track and... Norway was one, yep. uh, Antarctic was another, of yep. which you need quite a few permissions to get to. Yeah, yeah so uh, on top of the obvious, and the Galapagos Islands. Yeah, again, very heavily regulated, mm. very heavily regulated. So yeah, you need to you need to do your homework. You know, it's it's not just as simple as, you know, boss tells you. Ten days Let's from go. now, you go into you know you go into Svalbard. You need to you need to do your homework. Yeah, well, some place like the Galapagos sure, yeah. could take months to go through the regulations and yep. fill out all the forms, and it's um, yeah. and of, of course there are people you know that have that have kind of spotted that niche and they're there to you know to help you do it all at a cost. Yep. Um, it's it can all be done. There's also um, another another very interesting thing has been there's been a a real rise in the number and quality of companies that will that will do these things for you in a completely bespoke manner 
um, something I'm actually getting involved in myself through working as a sort of ambassador for a, a company based down in London who, you know, do the, the very highest level of sort of experiential travel. And they have, um, you know, they have their own yachting sector now. Um, and they will, you know, you want to do an, a, an off the beaten track yachting trip, you know, they will be there to help you plan the thing from start to finish. Um, you know, very, very professional people, highly organized, lots of experience in, you know, dealing with um, contingencies and stuff like this. So, you know, a, another very interesting sector that's that's opening up and there's there's more people there to um you know, to help help service that that need for any you know that demand rather for anyone that wants to do this, but they're you know not quite sure where to start. And it is a big undertaking. I mean, I'm sure there's a tremendous amount of yacht captains that are you know perfectly competent in the med, but you know if they get told they're going off on a on a you know five month trip up into the Arctic Circle, they may be somewhat phased by that. Yeah. Not just the captains, but the other crew on board as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, it affects everybody. It's, you know, it's, it's quite an undertaking. I was going to say also, it's very different sailing, I would think, as well. I mean, yep. just judging the difference of even around the Irish waters, sailing in the Atlantic versus the Irish Sea versus... Do you remember uh, we, we were speaking with the Five Deeps? Mm-hmm. And they were saying um, they went down to one of their dives was um, the Sandwich, South Sandwich Trench um, in the Antarctic. And... Yeah, everything reacted differently. The fluids flow differently because of the cold. Um, yeah, but just the mechanical engineering side, as well as 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 the, you know, the rough area they're in and the access to supplies and and no, there's a, there's a lot to think about, and yeah. that's what I'm saying. You know, your vessel and your crew needs to be up to it, and an awful lot. And I don't mean this in any derogatory way at all, but an awful lot of yacht crew that you know may do a fantastic job in warmer climes they could find it extremely difficult very challenging you know to spend um and you know any any amount of time in a in a completely different part of the world where things are so different i know coming from ireland and you being in scotland we we know what you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) ian we are just about hitting the top of the hour it flew by as always it does with you it It does (laughs) thank you so much for joining us this morning and uh we look forward to having you again really soon thank you very welcome you're listening to the overboard show brought to you today by captain ian Fleming (laughs) flockhart ian fleming i'm so james bondish um over to the news